Good morning, and welcome to Springbrook, especially if you're our our guest. So good to have you with us. Well, we're continuing in our series, The Real God. How many of you brought this website up this past week? Yeah. Did you know that three billion people search for something on Google every day? That's a lot of people. It's interesting when you look at some of the background behind Google. Uh, The first question is, okay, has it always been the name of it? Well, no, this was the first name, the nickname. Two guys from Stanford University uh, who were developing it had this particular name, Backrub. (laughs) Can you imagine if that stayed with us today? Uh, Quite odd, but they called it Backrub because... They were studying the searches behind the background, one might say, and helping them to be more effective and faster and things of that nature. Ever wonder where the name Google comes from? Well, it's the math term for this number. One with a hundred zeros is one Google. So they just... Flipped it around. Hey, this is good stuff for conversation this week at the office, okay? And they'll say, where'd you learn? I learned it at church. You wouldn't believe it. Now, I'm not sure about this next one. They say that they are so green that they have goats uh, doing their lawn. <laughs> Just you know, kind of chewing away. I'm not sure about that. I was reading an article from a person in Esquire, a reporter, and she was talking about how Google is almost like a god. Google is the closest thing to an omniscient entity. Google is omnipresent. Google answers prayers. Do a search for all your questions and problems. Google is potentially immortal. Google is infinite. Google remembers all. Google remembers too much, right? Google can do no evil. I'm not sure about that either. I just want to say, according to Google Trends, the term Google is search for more than the terms God, Jesus, Allah, Buddha, Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, and Judaism combined. Now, many people don't believe in a God, so maybe Google is their God. They're just crazy about Google and all its power and where it can take them. But I think the idea is that a lot of people search for wisdom on Google, because there's a lot of information out there, and some of it's biblical wisdom that can be helpful, but uh, many times people are just looking at anything, and it just leads to more confusion. Well, we have the great confidence that our God is our Lord, and He is mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. His wisdom has no limit. There's not a point where it stops. One of my favorite cartoons is a guy who's just kind of sitting back, leaning back, his laptop's in front of of him, and he says, I just got done searching the web. The whole web, you know what I'm saying. Okay, all right. 
We'll drop that. But <laughs> it's infinite, right? I mean, just imagine all the things you could bring up and how long it would take you. And we're talking about the wisdom of God today. Uh, we have been on a journey here, a spiritual God, a uh, real adventure. Uh, the real God, so we've talked about is your God too small, the goodness of God, the sovereignty of God, the holiness of God, and the wisdom of God is today. And we're halfway through. Next week, it's the justice of God, the love of God, the faithfulness of God. And finally, a Thanksgiving celebration on Sunday morning for our awesome God. And we're encouraging you to dig in. I tell you, we have never sold so much uh, curriculum in recent years. So that means that you guys are taking this seriously. It's a great encouragement to me. Again, we talk about these different things on our Sunday morning gatherings. So if you can't be here, be sure to listen to the podcast. Also, our small groups are doing this study. Then there's the Real God book that you can buy. And that basically just follows uh, the series as we're going through it. So you can listen to the message and you can read the book. Hopefully go to a small group. You can buy the workbook. Even if you're not in a small group, you can buy the workbook and it has the video codes in there, so you can go on the internet and watch the different videos. Again, the family devotional, please take advantage of that and get that on the livingontheedge.com website. And then, of course, we always want to be an inviting church because we have great things to share uh, with people. Well, let's look at Webster's definition of wisdom. Wisdom is the quality of being wise. It's the power of judging rightly. It's following the soundest course of action based on knowledge, experience, and understanding. So the three key words here are knowledge, experience, and understanding. I mean, you can know a lot of things, but maybe you're just a brilliant idiot, right? We can know a whole lot, but be making terrible decisions about our personal lives and other areas. Well, again, you need knowledge. You've got to have knowledge, but also you have to have experience. You've had to see how the knowledge works out and, and how, again, you know, different decisions affect different people and how people respond. And, and of course, the broader word, understanding. And again, we're, we're so thankful for wise people in our lives, and hopefully as a person grows older, they become more wise because they have so much experience, especially as a Christ follower, but that's not guaranteed, <laughs> okay? So let's seek to be wise in the Lord. This is the uh, definition that Chip Ingram uses in this Real God Spiritual Adventure. A.W. Tozer is someone he quotes often. So this is his definition of wisdom, and this is how we're, we're going to impact today. God brings about the best possible ends by the best possible means for the most possible people for the longest possible time. That's God's wisdom. And that's God's wisdom for Dan Harrison's life. So God brings about the best possible ends for Dan by the best possible means 
for Dan, for the most possible people that Dan might impact for the longest possible time. So what this is saying is that my current life situation, uh, the issues, both good and bad, that are going on in my life, the circumstances that surround me, they're all put in place by God in order that I might glorify Him, right? The chief end of man is to glorify Him. So I can look at my life and all the great things God has given me, the things I rejoice in, all the wonderful experiences in life, but also... All the negative stuff, all the illness or whatever it might be, uh, life situation, uh, again, relationships with kids, all that stuff God is using to glorify himself through Dan Harrison. Now, here's what you need to understand is that's what it means to trust in the wisdom of God. That where you're at right now, just the good and the bad, all right? God has allowed all that stuff in your life in order that you might glorify God. Now, that takes a lot of unpacking, and hopefully you'll understand as we uh, work through this. Daniel 2 talks about the wisdom of God. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells within him. So he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge of those who have understanding. We all struggle with pride. We all have an ego. We want other people to think that we're managing our lives well. And it's so easy to become overconfident, to give yourself a lot of credit. You know, self-made man, self-made woman, I'm so much better than all the other people I see around me because I'm me. I'm the great me. Well, we all kind of drift in that direction, but we need to realize if you think there's anything special about you, it's from God. Right? Yeah, I mean, you have nothing to boast about, nothing to be proud about, no matter what you've accomplished in your life. Hey, there's a healthy sense of pride. But really, that pride, uh, you say, hey, I'm so glad that God used me in this way. I'm so glad he gave me the intelligence, the skills, the abilities, the relationships, because he's a source of everything. That is a humble mindset. That's what God wants us to have. Now, he changes times and seasons. Wasn't yesterday a wild day? What was going on with that? 
And you wake up, and the sun is shining. It looks like a beautiful fall day. And then the rain starts to fall, and then the sleet, and then the snow. And all of a sudden, it gets to be a beautiful fall night. God planned the day just that way, right? So if you have a problem with the weather, uh, you need to talk uh, with God. Because he controls the weather. All right? That'd be funny if somebody said, hey, what do you think of the weather today? Well, I think God did a good job. Yeah. <laughs> we talk. <laughs> and then he removes kings and sets up kings. Now, I want to take a moment here to talk about what's going on in our country. We have a very divided country. Uh, it's just so sad to listen to the news reports of all the fighting and arguing and all types of situations that are going on. We're divided politically and pretty much in every other way. You kind of wonder, where in the world are we going? Now an election will come in 20 days, and it's a big election because it's a midterm election that carries a lot of weight with it. And I've watched politics for years and never have I seen such philotrochic language just the hate and just the characterizations of people. It's just uncivil, you can say. It just really is. So the question, how do we as Christ followers enter into this fray? Well, number one, we pray, right? That's where we always start. And what I try to do during election season is when these political ads come on, they're all over the place, right? You get so tired of them. But to pray, to pray for wisdom for whoever, whatever political interests you have and however God would direct you to pray, but pray for, pray for our country. Pray that, uh, again, people would not, act in an uncivil manner in these matters and pray for God's will. So we start out right there with pray. The second thing we do is vote, right? There is no reason that you can't vote if you're registered. And uh, we need to take that seriously because we are to obey our government and we have one of the best political systems in the world. And, of course, it's still a mess because of sin, but it uh, was genius. Uh, but we need to, to pray. We need to vote. We need to encourage our kids to vote. We need to build you know, pride in that. I mean, this is a wonderful opportunity we have. And usually the presidential election, that gets the most, and then downhill from there. But uh, we as Christians have a responsibility to vote. And then thirdly, be careful what you say when you talk about politics. My concern is that I see some Christ followers get so passionate about their political beliefs or a particular candidate or person 
and it hurts their witness. The number one reason we're here on this earth, if you know Jesus Christ, we're on a mission to reach people for Jesus Christ. And that is the mission. And anything that gets in the way of that mission is wrong. It is sin. And it's very easy when you're discussing political things to get passionate about it. And, well, first of all, you're not going to convince anybody of anything. Let's all accept that, right? That's human nature. Everybody has their position. They listen to the radio stations, TV stations that support that particular position. And you're just not really going to change a person's mind. In fact, what you probably should do is when you go up to someone making small talk, say, would you like to hear my political views? (laughs) You can't even say it, right? But they don't want to hear your political views. No, no, not at all. And, And what happens is, is we're talking with people who don't know Jesus and we're getting them upset at us, and we start to argue, is that the way we're supposed to talk with people? Is that loving? Is that kind? Is that gentle? But, Dad, it's my favorite topic. I'm always reading, watching the news. I've got to talk about it. Well, if you can find somebody safe to talk about. (laughs) But, hey, it's hard. There's appropriate times, obviously, to talk about this. But I know some of you are just dreading going to Thanksgiving dinner because you know you got that one relative who's just going to ruin everything. You should not be that person. You, if you're going to talk about politics in an appropriate way, it's got to be kind and gentle and loving and not offend the other person. Because... Who needs to talk about politics? We need to talk about Jesus. If you love politics so much, why aren't you talking about Jesus, right? Now, usually they'll shut down if you talk about Jesus. They don't want to talk about Jesus. No, not Jesus. I'll talk about whoever, but not Jesus. So I really encourage you to think about that. And a lot of you don't talk about politics at all, but it's pretty common. And we also have all these people from our community coming into our building. Thousands of people come to vote. I think we doubled last time because one place couldn't do it. Isn't that a wonderful opportunity? Yeah, if you want to be a greeter, we have greeters out there uh, just to say, hey, good to have you, answer any questions that they uh, might have. But they're coming to us, right? I'm going to give them a great experience, but... Keep those things uh, in mind. Now, let's go back to Tozer. And I want you to listen closely as I read this through. And I really had to put it up here because you have to read it to really, I think, uh, get a hold of it. The wisdom of God tells us that God will bring about the best possible results by the best possible means for the most possible people, for the longest possible time. To believe actively that our Heavenly Father constantly spreads around us providential circumstances at work 
for our present good and our everlasting well-being brings to the soul a veritable benediction. What's he saying? That everything that's happening in your life right now has been decreed or allowed by God. He constantly is controlling your circumstances for what purpose? That work for our present good and our everlasting well-being brings to the soul a veritable benediction. Then he goes on to say, most of us go through life praying a little, planning a little, jockeying for position, hoping but never quite certain of anything, and always secretly afraid that we'll miss the way. This is a tragic waste of truth and never gives rest to the heart. What is Tozer saying? He's saying that we're going through life trying to control it, trying to get what we feel we need, deserve, whatever the case might be, and we're just never quite sure if it's what we want or what we need, and life changes so quickly. It creates all kinds of anxiety and confusion, and he's saying, this is a tragic waste of truth. You're not living out the truth that's found in the Word of God, and it's causing you to not be at peace. There is a better way. There it is. It is to repudiate our own wisdom and take instead the infinite wisdom of God. God has charged himself with full responsibility for our eternal happiness and stands ready to take over the management of our lives the moment we turn in faith to him. So Tozer speaks of the biblical truth that if we just, in a sense, accept where we're at, we accept the good things, we accept the challenges, and say, okay, I am going to trust in God's wisdom in this situation. God has allowed it, and I'm going to trust him to do his best work through me to glorify him. Now, now if we really do that, if we really believe that God is the wisest and that he is orchestrating all these things for our benefit, well, that changes the whole game, right? Because we have things that happen to us and all. This larger crowd, we go on and on sharing stories about deep, deep pain in our lives, of abuse, being abandoned, of people sinning against us, just terrible things. And what God is telling us, even in the midst of all that, that if you trust him and you move forward with him in management, right? He's the Lord of your life. 
that he will continue to do great things for you, for his glory. The biggest problem we have is we think that we should have a great life. I mean, especially here in the U.S. Yeah, I mean, that's what we deserve. And that's why we get so frustrated. Why, God, did you allow this? Why did that person die? Why did I go through that situation? Why did I lose my job? You are not delivering on the best life ever. Well, he never said that he would do that. He said that in his wisdom, he would walk with you. He would surround you with his love and his comfort and other Christ followers who can help you to bear this broken world. This world is broken. It's a failure. It's messed up. It's painful. And when we come to accept that, that this is not God's best, this is everything gone wrong, then we're not a surprise when pain comes our way. And oh yeah, it's tough and we need to own it and you know be comforted, but it shouldn't be a surprise to us. So that's a worldview type of thing. And so, okay, God... <laughs> I'm trusting in you and something terrible happens. Let's say you lose a child. That's not supposed to happen. That wasn't part of my agreement in coming to you as a Christ follower. What are you doing? And God says, I am all wise. There's a purpose. You need to trust me. But I I don't understand. I know. I know you don't understand. And uh, you might not understand, right? Until heaven. We got to trust him. We got to trust him. And... The more you journey down your spiritual path, the more ugly things happen to you. That's all you can do is trust Him. You can't keep it going yourself. You can't solve all your problems. It's hard. It's hard to accept this. Close your eyes for a second. And, and Okay, so what we've said here... What, What the Bible says about the wisdom of God. Then the midst of your pain right now, in the midst of that circumstance, in the midst of that painful relationship, in the midst of your body going haywire, in the midst of whatever you're going through, God has allowed that in order to fulfill your purpose here on earth and glorifying Him. Now, most of us do not believe that. Again, this is the type of thing that you just have to go through life and you, 
If you walk with God, if you stay with him, many people rebel and say, no, I'm not getting what I want. If you stay walking with him, he'll show you why. Oh, I mean, eventually, but he'll comfort you. He'll carry you. He'll minister to you. And I tell you, if, if you can get to that point, and I'm not there yet, uh, where you're just completely trusting God and saying, okay, God, this happened. And, of course, you experience the pain and suffering of it. And, but I trust you, God. I feel so down, you might say. Life is, one, one lady said to me recently, life is hell. Yeah. Life can feel like hell sometimes. But it's the wisdom of God and trying to put those two things together. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. And that's where you really need to trust God's wisdom. What is it in your life right now? There's one or two things that you're kind of spinning around in your mind and you're trying to think, what? I, this, does that make sense? I, I don't like that. I, I don't like this teaching of the Word. And Yeah, none of us really do. Because it's hard to accept the fact that we're living in a broken world, surrounded by broken people, and we're one of them. And that makes life. Very, very painful. But at the same time, if we trust God's wisdom and continue to walk day by day in the midst of our suffering, you know, that uh, He is going to do beautiful things in our lives. It doesn't mean you're going to get an inheritance check. <laughs> but He's going to teach you about Himself. Amen. You can open your eyes. Um, I, I was thinking about this, and I know many of you are suffering, we all suffered at whatever degree, but I was thinking about the fact that the problem is, when we suffer, we have a certain image of God, in terms of what he should do, and what he owes us, and all, all that type of thing, a certain image of God, and we suffer, and we suffer, why God, what are you doing? And again, what God wants us to do is to help us grow our God. Our God is too small. And so if I'm suffering and it's not going away, I look to God. I look to his incredible wisdom. Wisdom I can't even begin to understand. He's in charge. What I'm saying is that if you're suffering today, get to know God better. Right? If you're suffering today, God wants to you for you to experience grace that you've never experienced before because you've never known him 
in that way. But as you pursue Him and you reflect on God's Word and you read other books and and you experience God in a new way and you're closer to God even though you're maybe in the worst situation you've been in. Isn't that why we're here? To get to know God? And He... He teaches us best when we're suffering. Yeah, He does. Some wisdom considerations. Remember that our experience of the wisdom of God comes in a fallen world. We talked a little bit about that. So that you may be sons of your fathers in heaven. For He makes His sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Again, when you become a Christ follower, you're going to experience God, but you're going to experience a lot of things that other people experience because it's a broken world. And that's why I continue to talk about heaven because that's a perfect world. And the problem is we're expecting heaven here on earth. We'll never find it. We'll keep chasing if we just accept this is not heaven. But God is sovereign and God is all wise and he's guiding us. Second thing, remember the wisdom of God and securing your salvation. You need to understand, (laughs) usually God doesn't make sense to us, right? I mean, look at what he did uh, in bringing us to him. For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. So what is God pleased about? He's pleased about us teaching folly, (laughs) being fools, right? You're a fool for Christ because if you go to somebody and say God loves you at the same time, uh, you're being judged, you're a sinner, right? You got nothing that God wants and Jesus Christ came down and he died for you. (laughs) He hung on the cross for you and he took your place and then he rose again and you need just to come to him humbly and ask for this free gift of salvation from suffering. And uh, he'll give it to you. That's insane, really, when you think about it. Isn't it really? I mean, if you've been witnessing, you've heard people say, what are you talking about? See, we live in a performance-driven culture. We tell our kids, all right, this is what you got to do. You got to get on all these different teams. To it's all about, you know, got to make money in the future. Got to take care of yourself. So we got to get on these teams. Oh, you got to get all A's and things of that nature. And the, the pressure grows and grows and grows. They struggle with anxiety. You know, when they're hitting junior high and high school, all these expectations. What college you got into? You got to get a scholarship. You got to get into a college. Now you got to find a job. 
performance. That's why we're so anxious. That's not why we're, because the world, the world is saying you got to perform if you want to reach the dream. That's a lie. I'm not against, you know, doing well, trying to do your best. But, oh, we just taken it and abused it so much. We have. And here's the genius of the gospel, okay? God, I want a relationship with you. You know what? All you have to do is humble yourself and say you you can't do anything. You can't give me anything, show me anything, you know, perform anything. No performance, okay? I want you to humble yourself, realize you got nothing, and I got everything, and I want to give it to you. No wonder people get ticked off. What do you mean no performance? I've been performing all my life. That is what my life is about, hitting the standards, being like my peers, and you want me to come to you? And you say the greatest thing in life is knowing you, and you don't want me to do anything? That doesn't make me special anymore. I'm just like everybody else. That's it, right? And people don't want to say that. I'm just, I'm just like the other guy. You know? I mean, I'm much better than the other guy. Come on now. Give me something to do. No. Fall prostrate in front of God. I need you. I need the free gift of salvation. I want to be with you forever, Lord. Now, that's folly, right? For the Jews, they were looking for a Messiah. They were looking for a king. They were looking for him to topple the Roman Empire. But we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to the Jews. He's not our Messiah. That's not our Messiah. No. And a folly to the Gentiles, you know, the wise thinkers. Everything needs to make sense. And it's all foolishness to them. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. You're living a life right now and you think it's foolish. It's foolish because there's so many problems. So many things are not happening to you. It's foolishness. That's what God specializes in, <laughs> right? Yeah. The foolishness of God, of course, there's no foolishness in God, but people view it that way. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. Again, it's all about we cannot understand how God thinks. It's totally different. At some point, we just have to say, God, I trust in your wisdom. Help me. Help me trust in your wisdom because it's not making a lot of sense. So that as it written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. That's what he wants. He doesn't want us going around, you know, talking about what we've done. He wants us to go around and say, wow, you know, that'd be nothing without Jesus, right? Now, Let's talk about how we apply wisdom to our lives. Wise living starts with fearing the Lord. 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Again, we talked about, you know, we view God transcendently, you know, way up there, like we're talking about His wisdom today that we can't touch. Uh, But there's in the intimacy of the idea that God is holding us and walking us through this life, all right? But the fear of the Lord speaks of more of that reverence like God is God. There's no category for God. Stop trying to understand him when he didn't mean for you to understand him in that area. Trust in him. Wise living grows by receiving God's word. The law of the Lord is perfect. Reviving the soul. Talking about the word of God, right? This is problems and suffering drive us toward God and His Word. The testimony of the Lord is sure of making wise is simple. I was doing my time alone with God this past week. And we talk about fresh bread here at Springbrook. We want to share fresh bread. The idea that, hey, we want to be regularly spending time with God, you know, whatever, five times a week, 15 minutes. But, 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 but have that as a habit in our lives. All right? So, so this is the verse I came across. Have nothing to do with irreverent silliness. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. You know what this is saying? This is saying it's more profitable. If you have to make a choice... It's more profitable to spend time with God reading His Word than going to the gym. (gasps) What did you say? (laughs) Yeah! If you only have time to do one thing, don't go to the gym. I mean, it's good and everything. But if you really want to live first, spend time with God, and then go to the gym, that maybe should be a new thing in your life, right? I won't go to the gym until I've strengthened myself in God godliness are you training yourself to be godly it's work it's work to get to know god it just doesn't come you know wafting through the air i mean you got to go after it just like you do with like a fitness coach fitness coach says i tell you what you give me so much money and i'm gonna get you in shape and i'm gonna make you miserable but in the end, you're going to get what you want. You go, yeah, where do I sign up? Tell me what to do. All right, this is what we're going to do. I want two hours on Sunday morning here at the fitness club, and you're going to walk away, and you're going to feel just <laughs> wasted. But that's the point, okay? And then I want you to come in every morning for a half hour and do these exercises. And then I want you to be texting me all day long, asking for hints and things of that nature. And then every night I want you to do another exercise. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. I want want to get my body in shape, huh? That's training, right? And you want it so bad that you're willing to experience pain. So here's the question. Do you want to know God so badly that you will train yourself to know God's Word, 
to read God's Word, to pray, to spend time with other Christ followers, talking about being godly. Are you willing to come out on Sunday morning and be part of our family? That's what it takes. And I tell you, I really believe that's the number one reason Christ followers are not growing today is the standards are not high enough. We treat everything else. Oh, I've got to take that class. But when it comes to church, ah, oh, well, when I get to it, what if you did that with a gym? I want to get to the gym when I feel like it or it's a nice day. If it's raining, I won't go to the gym. And oh, oh, oh yeah, <laughs> you're going nowhere. You got to work at it. You got to put your mind to it because friends, as you get to know more about God, when you hit the rapids of life, oh, you're going to have more confidence, right? Because you know him. And you know he's going to be there in the rapids. Amen. Finally, if any likes wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him, but Let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. God is waiting for you to ask. That's all you have to do is ask for it. Right? But but you've got to have faith in him. Again, as I've said, we're all at different points on our spiritual maturity pathway here. So uh, maybe it's the first time you've heard this kind of stuff. Uh, or maybe, you know, years and years. We all need encouragement, right? So let's go to prayer right now. And I want you to just think about one issue in your life that doesn't make sense. I mean, if you had the power to eradicate one challenging circumstances problem, what would it be? And I'll tell you what, friends. That one circumstance or person or problem is in your life that draw you closer to God. And every time you're hurt, every time you're depressed, every time you're in pain, draw close to Jesus and ask Him to give you the faith to give you the energy to trust in his unbelievable wisdom. It's not going to happen overnight. Oh, friends, as you do that, you'll see God in a totally new way. Heavenly Father, oh, we stand humbled before you. Lord, help me to be more humble. Help me to practice what I preach. And experience suffering just to say, okay, the reason I'm suffering to this degree is that's how close you want me to you. I pray you help my friends as well. In Christ's name, amen.